0: Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services.
1: Hi, guys. Good morning. How's everyone? Woo! <laughs> How are you guys feeling? Are you well rested? It's not rhetorical, you can be honest with me. Um, good morning, uh, my name is Savannah for those of you who don't know me. I'm really excited to be with you here this morning. I am a pastor, me, a pastor here on staff at Hope. I usually um, <clears throat> get to handle and be a part of all things worship and creative, but I have the honor of being able to share with you this morning. Um, I'm a little nervous because I'm used to singing rather than speaking. But I'm really excited about the word of the Lord that I feel is on my heart today. I'm going to speak out of some vulnerability, some realness. Is that okay? Okay, we don't have time for anything else, right? Um, But yeah, this has been kind of a crazy summer. I was um, earlier in the summer, I just came back from Greece. I was doing some refugee work with an amazing organization called All for Aid. I um, got to go to some of those one of those camps and have been running around. So it's been a long time since I've been able to come up here and share. I'm super excited. Um, I just want to take a quick minute. I know I don't have to do this, but to honor and thank Pastor Danny and Chris and our staff for believing in women in ministry. Woo! Women in ministry! Um, that's a big deal, guys. And this is a really special church and a really um, amazing place that has leaders that intentionally set a table where... Ooh, <clears> that's so my necklaces, I knew it, man, I shouldn't have worn the necklace. Um, we're leaders set this table for people to intentionally come and sit of all different walks of life and experiences. I feel really grateful to be able to grow as a leader and a communicator and learn what it means to unpack the word of God and teach it to others. So we're going to be in this together. Um, I picture us sitting at a big table together, that's what this is. In my perfect world, we'd be eating really gorgeous breakfast and maybe mimosas. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that at church. But we can use our imaginations. Um, I really believe God has new things to do and speak to us through his word. Um, something I've been thinking about a lot lately is a lot of um, friends of mine um, that are my age and in my community have been walking away from the faith. Um, friends that and students that I went to Bible college with. It's been this running theme throughout this year I've just seen a lot of and what I've found is this shared feeling um, that I've observed of this bad taste of Christianity in their mouth because it seems stale and lifeless. Um, but Christianity, this life, this gospel that God offers to us, the Word of God, is anything but old and stale. Can I get an amen? Ooh, we're going to get a little Pentecostal this morning. Scripture says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he also said, yeah, amen, that he is consistent and good in his character, but scripture also says that the word of God is alive and active and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting through soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's in Hebrew 4.12. So there is, we can be assured there is new, juicy goodness, life change, holistic healing, inspiration, power, and depth to be found in this book. So as we dive in today, there might be, I don't know what your guys' life with church or Christianity or Christian communities looks like. This is your first time. Welcome. Hi, we're not that weird, I promise. We're just trying to figure out what it means to do life with Jesus and let him change us. And if you've been here for a really long time and been a part of the faith or Christian community, there's going to be verses and passages that you've heard before. But I would encourage you to leave all of your assumptions at the door and to bring an openness in your heart for the fresh wind of the Spirit of God to come and meet you right where you're at. Can, is that a deal? Okay, I'm going to do the same thing, even though I've read this passage probably 50 times this week. Because God has something new and fresh and amazing for us to experience in Him. So I'm going to pray, because it's probably the best thing to do. And I'm going to encourage you, um, if you want to, sometimes I'll pray, and I'll just put my hands out like this, so if you want to do it with me. It just reminds me to let my guard down before God, and allow Him to come and move things in me, to shift things in my heart, and to receive from Him mind, body, and spirit. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just thank you so much for who you are. Thank you Jesus for this gospel that you have given us. It is not lifeless or stale, but God, there is active truth in life change, beauty and healing. There's revelation, God, that you desire to speak to us today, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you've given us full access to your Holy Spirit, that there is nothing hidden or standing in the way between us and you but ourselves. So we ask that, Jesus, we would get out of the way, that I would get out of the way of anything that you want to do or say today, Jesus. Holy Spirit, reign in this place. You have full permission to do whatever the heck you want to do. I pray, Jesus, that you would be glorified, that you would be blessed by the teaching of your word because you know that it is your heart for us to be changed by you, Jesus. I thank you for the relationship that you offer to us, God. If anyone in this room is feeling like there is a broken relationship between you And them, I pray that today would be the first step of restoration to that, God, that you come and you meet us and you offer yourself right where we're at. You're so good and we thank you for your grace. We love you. And everyone said, amen. Amen. All right, this morning we are kicking off a new series called Psalms of Ascent. Everybody say, Psalms of Ascent. I'm feeling very Pentecostal, so I'm into it, but um, waking us up a little bit. Does anyone know, this is also not a rhetorical question, what genre the book of the Bible, Psalms, is? What was that? Poetry! Poetry. Wow, that was so quick, that's amazing. Yes, the Psalms is a book, um, of an, it's an anthology of spiritual hymns and songs found right in the middle of the Bible. That's how I used to remember it growing up. My parents would always say, when you open your Bible smack in the middle, it's the book of Psalms. So something very interesting that I learned, which I nerded out about because I play music and I love music, and I'm a little obsessed with music, is that these poetic works were originally set to melodies. You guys can thank Chris Matley for that. He told me. They were set to melodies, but they were lost throughout the ages. So we are left with this book of poetry, and it remains, in my humble opinion, one of the most human and raw, unfiltered expressions of the human experience between man and God. I found that this book is very much overlooked, that people think it's just like a flowery book of poetry. It's underutilized, but it is the tool that God has offered us for soul care and to tend to our personal, emotional, and mental health, things that God really cares about. Can I get an amen? It feels very fitting and close to my heart that I get to read from a place of poetic literature today. Um, I connect with God a lot, the most probably through the arts and music. Um, Anyone else find God in a really good song? That'd be me. Okay, so the moment you've all been waiting for. We're going to open our Bibles. Um, So you can open your Bible to Psalm 139. This is a Psalm of David. And if you don't have your Bible, it will be on the screen, I believe. If not, also you can just uh, close your eyes as I read this over you. I want to take some time and have a contemplative moment with you guys this morning where I read this over you almost as if you're listening to a song for the first time and letting the lyrics hit different. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. That is a little spooky. (laughs) Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there. Your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely, the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light to you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every single one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Then there's a little change of tone. David gets a little savage. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. <laughs> o oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O oh Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Then David takes a deep breath and exhale. <laughs> Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I relate to David in many ways. It's really the ups and downs for me, the high highs and low lows of that, what feels like an open journal entry to God. But if you gather anything from this message in um, our time together, I really want you to note this. That we are deeply known, and we serve a God that is able to be known. Can you guys say that with me? We are deeply known, and we serve a God that is able to be known. Psalm 139 calls us to a type of vulnerability that is anti-normal or comfortable for our human state. It teaches us God's omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, his goodness, and that he can be known. And also, God's obvious, blaring pursuit after us, his knowing of all of us in all of our ways, which is really embarrassing and really good. Yeah, hallelujah is right, sis. That's the truth. All week I've been praying about this message and excited and feeling really honored to be able to come up and share. But I've been distracted and thrown by different things. Um, It feels like every single time I have the opportunity to share there's something that happens um, that leaves me feeling a little bit of a mess. But I really, um, even though I feel like an open wound walking around and there's some kind of raw stuff going on in my heart, is that OK if, I'm, if that happens today? I believe that there is um, purpose in that, that God has been doing an undoing in me, and that he wants to do the same in all of us. So all week as I've been praying about this message, I've been distracted. Um, but by this main feeling and thing and theme in my life, which is how disappointing I felt to people in my life. Everyone go, oh, Savannah. (laughs) Just kidding. Stop, guys. Thank you so much. Um, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I I know that sounds a little intense, maybe a little severe and dramatic. I am dramatic. I used to be a woman of the theater. I was a drama kid. But I really do mean this. I have felt, like, just disappointed. Like I've been disappointing people. Have you guys ever felt like that in your life? Have you ever felt like there's a season in your life where with God, with the people around you and with yourself you have just been really disappointing and broken. Being human in front of other people it's scary. Oh, you're all perfect okay you don't you don't feel that way. That's cool. <laughs> thought this was a safe space but um, but I'm gonna share a story and it's an example of this. There's lots of different stories that I could share about my life where I felt that way but I'm not going to drag myself across the stage and expose myself at church um, to the greatest extent but I'm gonna share kind of a light and funny story about what that feels like being human in front of someone disappointing someone with hopes um, that this would mean something to us and that we could figure out from this passage what God has to say about all of it and the narrative that we write in our minds after we've been fully human and exposed and disappointing to someone that we left. Okay? Cool. So it was my sophomore year in college. I'm, I've graduated college. It's a Christmas miracle. Um, and when I was a sophomore, I went to school in L.A. Uh, at this school called Life Pacific University. Woo! LPU. No one's been there. Um, my brother and I went there together. Max is my older brother. Oh, I think there's a picture of him. I added it very quickly, so I don't know if it's there. Maybe. Oh, that's us. There was this vine wall at school in college that like, it was just like this brick wall with vine and it was like the photo op place, everyone would take pictures. We sent this to my mom on our first day of school because, you know. Anyways, this was actually my sophomore year, so it's perfect, but yeah, that's my brother Max. We're besties, we're uh, a year and a half apart. So we went to college together, he was two years ahead of me and I was a sophomore. And I'm very close to my siblings, uh, specifically Max because we're close in age and so this was a very interesting time of my life. I remember um, Max and I had gone into a big fight. And there's something about when you're with your siblings, uh, you just, you're full, you're fully yourself. You kind of like, you're not as nice as you are with other people. You know what I'm saying? So with Max, there was no filter. I was just completely unhinged. I We had gotten into a big fight, and I had really hurt his feelings. And I, I'm i not an evil person. I actually felt bad. but. We'd kind of been in this awkward place where, like, we just weren't really like talking. It was only for like a week or something. So I remember in that same week, my friend asked me if I could take her. It was the night before. It was like midnight. She said, "Hey, like, I have an early flight tomorrow morning at Ontario. Is there any way that you could take me and my friend Abby? We need to get there on time. It's like it was like a 6 a.m. flight, something like that, super early." And I was like, "Me being me, for sure. Yeah, sounds great. Sounds like a party." And then I went to bed. I had a completely empty tank of gas in my car. I just drove to school. Like I think those, those are things that you learn as you go. Like Maybe don't ever drive with like, an empty tank of gas. So I had that night driven home. I was like, oh, I'll get gas in the morning. It'll be fine. I wake up late. I forget about the gas. I get in my car. I'm already running late. So I get to Azusa Pacific, where my friends were attending school. And I pick them up. They're running late. We're just like sending it to Ontario. I'm doing things I should never be doing on the road. and praying that God would forgive me later, and we're on our way to the airport, I, just being so distracted, didn't see that my check light was on, my like, you know, my gas light was on, um, I needed to get gas for my car, so my friend points this out to me, and we're still pretty far from the airport, and so we're in like, all of us are in kind of like a full panic, you know what I'm saying? So we're like praying in tongues in the car and like, just like, oh, this is stupid of me. Um, I should have gotten gas. I can't get, get gas now because they're going to be late for their flight. So I'm just like, this is so dumb, Savannah. You're being so dumb. It's so simple. And you made it really hard for yourself. So we get to the airport. It's literally a miracle. They get to their flight on time. They were like running to the gate. And I was like, whew, easy breezy, cover girl, everything's fine. I needed to find a gas station. So... My car at this point is like dragging to the gas station. I don't know if you've ever been to that point. I pray that you haven't, where your your car's so empty that you're just like hardly moving. Um, so I was found a local <laughs> gas station, and I'm there, and I'm like so embarrassed because I just like all my friends saw this. Like they're just they saw what happened, and it was just embarrassing. So then I pull up, and I realize I don't have my card or my purse or any cash. I know <gasps> it's right. I know. Yeah, the blonde really seeped into my head, and I was, like, upset. And so it's also kind of a sketchy uh, gas station. I'm by myself, um, and I'm just like, this is good, Savannah. You did good things. <laughs> um, and I don't know what to do because I'm in, like, a full panic. I have $1 in the car in my middle console, and I'm like, that's really not going to get me anywhere, and they don't take cash. So I call. Who do you guys think I call? Max. The one and only Max was so good in crisis situations but I was so embarrassed and felt really bad to be calling him after I had kind of like popped off on him and we had had some conflict earlier that week we weren't really talking I knew he was upset with me so I call him I'm like crying I'm like I'm an idiot like I need you to help me I didn't I couldn't call anyone else I remember just being so embarrassed I was like I can't do this to myself so Max being the Christian man of God that he is, came and rescued me. He actually was at work. He was working at Red Robin, called off of work, <laughs> and, and drove in 50 minutes of traffic to come and pay for my gas and for me to leave. So he comes, and I just see like the steam like just like coming out of his ears. And um, Max was so, he just silent. I was like, I'm not gonna say anything. If you're not gonna say anything, we're gonna pretend this didn't happen. And he paid for my gas. I eventually paid him back, obviously, because that would have just, yeah. Anyway, so then, um, yeah, that was that, right? Pretty gnarly, kind of embarrassing. And Max was like, you're just an idiot, dude, like, just getting together. And I was like, I know. And I just felt so embarrassed, but I knew that Max was the only person that I could call, even though I was fully exposed and like embarrassed he was the only trustworthy person. I disappointed him. Could you guys agree? I annoyed him pretty bad. And you might think, Savannah, is that your best story of disappointment? No, there's worse. But I'm not going to share because that's embarrassing. And we don't need to expose ourselves to the 10th degree at church. But um, from this, I could proudly say that I have reflected. And I'm usually a type B kind of person. Is anyone else this way? Me? Just me? Yeah, someone's like, woo! Um, I'm not the world's greatest overachiever. I stay in my lane, I do me and try my best with most things in life. Oh, sorry, Griffin. I'm really sorry. Um, and I leave it at that. I don't really... Um, I, I'm not, I've never been that way with school, with anything. I've just kind of, like, done the best that I could do. But in relationships, I am a bit of a relationship overachiever. And so whenever conflict is happening in my life, in relationships, it hits different. I love to do well in my relationships. I want my... Words to feel like warm hugs. I want to befriend people. If you're into the Enneagram, I'm a raging type too. Um, So you can imagine that when I failed in my life, personally, and I'm just speaking from my experience, is that okay? Um, It writes a narrative in my mind that I've labeled as truth and I believe, and it's made me think a lot this week about the untrue stories that we all write in our head. I could think of at least five of them right now. Um, We were meant to walk through this human experience together and experience failure and disappointment and pain and loss in relationship. It's what we signed up for when we decided to do life with other people. But often, when we come face to face with those things, like a very disappointed big brother, or a deeply hurt boyfriend, or a broken-hearted parent, or an employer or a friend that we've unknowingly offended, what do we do? Usually, for myself, I hide, And I become a shell of a man, and I run as fast as I can away from the exposure of my humanity and my brokenness. And I try to escape the parts of me that I don't want to be seen because I feel like they are seen and I feel found out. And I begin to take steps back and freak out and allow shame to live rent-free in my head. When at the same time, the God of the universe, holier and wiser, more beautiful and divine than all of us, knows us, as this passage says, and stays. How much easier for us is it to put up a veneer of pretense about ourselves and not let people into our darkness instead of being and walking vulnerably? It is a lot easier than to let the light pour in, to let ourselves be seen and more than anything known. Verse 1 of Psalm 139, it reads, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. He already knows who we are, friends. He's already looked and seen it all. I'm giving you a silly example with my brother, but I think we all know and can think of areas in our lives, stories in our lives, where it was a lot deeper than that, where we felt a lot more exposed, we felt a lot more disappointing, or maybe we felt a lot more human than we'd like to show the people around us. God has looked and seen all of it, and he didn't flinch. When he created us, he's still trying to get to know us after it all. And luckily, we serve a God who goes before us in this way. Verse five says, You hem me in behind and before. He lets us find him and know him as well. He sets the greatest example of what it means to walk vulnerably. He could be mysterious and distant and far off if he wanted to, wouldn't you agree? He's God, he's really big, he could do whatever he wanted, but he's too loving for that. He extends himself to us. So why? Why does any of this matter? Savannah, why are you telling me stories about your brother and your really janky car? It's because he asks us to do the same. God extends himself with vulnerability for a purpose because vulnerability in relationship leads to intimacy, and we were made for that. We were made to be known and seen. I'm going to repeat that. Vulnerability in relationship leads to intimacy, and we were made for that. We were made to be known and seen. My brother was the real MVP in that story. He saw me in my unorganized ADHD self and loved me and stayed. And not only that, but he served me, which was pretty cool. The last verses of this passage, um, verse 23 and 24, I'm going to read this to you guys. I know that your version might be different than mine. I'm reading out of the ESV. But it says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and my anxious thoughts. Know them. See if there is any offensive or grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This word everlasting, translated in Hebrew, is the word alum. Did I say that right, Chris? Nice. Everyone say alum. Cool. (laughs) It means forever, and it is a noun that is connected to the word way. This means God's way. It is translated as a set of values, God's values for living, that are connected to his mind and heart for us. So David, at the end of this passage, this whole passage is like beautiful and flowery, and it talks about the goodness and kindness of God, that he would know us and search us in all of our ways. And then David kind of spirals at the end, a little bit of anxiety there. You can see it in verse 19. It's an unraveling before God at the end. And he cries out, please, Lord. Essentially, this is my translated Savannah version. Lead me in a new way. I am willing to be seen and moved by you. I need you to teach me your way and your heart and what it means to walk vulnerably, what it means to be known. He essentially says, please, Lord, give me a brand new set of values that come from an eternal place, much better than the ways that I would choose to live, much better than the way that I think about things, much better than the way that I operate in relationship, the way that I think about myself, others, and even you. The very nature of our humanity wants to hide from others and God when we feel a little too known. Adam and Eve were the ultimate example of this. What did they do when they sinned in the garden? Anybody?
0: They hid.
1: Like the God that they weren't walking with literally moments before and laughing with and eating all the fruit, talking to animals. Like he hadn't been with them and known them and seen them. God offers us a new way, friends. He wants to show himself to us. He's not hiding. He's given us his word and his spirit. He has fully put himself available to us, but the Spirit of God beckons us to do the same. What does this look like? When we read this passage and we go through, there may be stories that we tell ourselves as we read it that are opposite or contradicting to this olam, this everlasting way. Verse 7 through 8, you guys can open up to that. It says, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. The ESV calls this place Sheol. Some say, some translations say the depths. And people, when they read this passage, they often think this is hell or this is a specific location. But what David is saying and what it's translated to mean mean is that it actually is a state of being dead. The depth of our humanity, like the grossest parts of us. The moments of our personal darkness, disappointment, and sin. And so when we read this, our way, our perspective is that he is distant from us. When we are walking in our state of death, when we are walking in probably one of the darkest moments of our lives, when we are walking in a season where we feel disappointing to ourselves, to God, where we've maybe wanted more for our year. I don't know. Did this year kind of go differently for you guys than you expected, or is it just me? Anybody? Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. There's things that I had prayed for and wanted in myself, in my personal life, in my job, in my family, that didn't come to pass, things that I've prayed for and really, really wanted. And there's been versions of this shield in my life, a deadness, a a sense of death or darkness in my humanity that I've experienced this year. I don't know what you guys have walked through. I know there has been loss in our community. And I want to acknowledge and um, hopefully bring some encouragement to that. But our way, when reading that passage, says that he is distant from us when we are in that place. This everlasting way, Olam, says that even there he'll find you. Verse 13 through 14 says, For you formed my inward parts. Ugh. You knitted, sorry, I just sounded gross. <laughs> you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can you guys say that together? I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. This is like a really sweet, like body positivity kind of statement, right? Like, I am awesome. I was made with purpose. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made physically, emotionally, internally. But how often do we not believe that to be true? pretty much every single day of our whole life, right? The society and world around us are telling us something completely different, that there needs to be constant change, constant bettering of what we would need to be for the people around us, for ourselves, to be and actually believe that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But from the start, friends, it says, from the very beginning, as he was knitting us together, he saw us as a wonderful work. Our way reads this and says, I am too flawed, I am not enough, and I was made with error. But the everlasting way, Allah says that we are a wonderful work, and we are handcrafted. Verse, Verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, there are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you! There are so many verses that we could go through in this entire chapter, and I would encourage you to go back sometime today this week and read them, and think about how when you read the verse... You hear it, and you're like, wow, that's really cool. In the contrast of maybe what your original thought would be about what God would have to say about that. Verse 17, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. I was talking to Chris earlier this morning, and this translated is not only are God's thoughts precious about us, but our thoughts to him are precious that there is an endless love that he has for us. Our way says that when we've failed and been exposed and when we've been known a little too deeply, there needs to be hiding, that we are not precious precious or cherished. But the everlasting way, Alam says, that his thoughts of us are precious, endless, and loving. So with all of this this morning, there is a lot of different things that we could walk away with from this passage about... His goodness and kindness to us, about the way that He extends Himself to be known in Scripture and through His Holy Spirit, through His presence. How many of you guys know that the presence of God is real? This is not when we're doing worship and we're a part of um, communal activity um, in church and with music, and it's not just to give you like the feels. You know what I mean? and to make you feel like, wow, this music is really moving me. It's setting a table for the presence of God that is tangible and real and alive and active, just as much of his word, to come and infiltrate our minds and our hearts, for him to come and bring transformation to us. So I know for myself I need to adopt this new way, this everlasting way, this olam that David is talking about. I know for myself that the season that I feel like I've been walking through of disappointment comes from the perspective that I have, that I am disappointing to God. And that is a flawed statement. That's not truth, friends. If we could allow the Holy Spirit to come and revolutionize the way that we think, to ask God to teach us what his ways look like, it would revolutionize the way that we live, the way that we love people, the way that we are vulnerable with people. His thoughts and his heart toward us are so much better than what we think is good on our end. I think there's a perfectionism that I found in myself this last year, like I said, being a relationship overachiever, that literally it always comes to a wall. You always get found out. And I just really feel like this this week, the Lord was just reminding me and beckoning me to something different. Savannah, you've already been found out. I've been new, girl. I know you're, I've seen the receipts. I've seen it all. And I still love you and I, I'm staying. So how could you live with this truth of I am known, I'm fully known, not just the parts of me that feel impressive to this church, the parts that feel impressive to my family or people that I love or even to myself that feel good, the checklist that we create in our Christianity that God laughs at, all of it. Knowing that all of those things, like, set aside, we are fully known and seen, and so we can walk into relationship with others extending the same kind of love, extending the same kind of grace in relationship with God. I got a picture earlier this week, a spiritual, um, what felt like a. sometimes when God speaks to me and I'll be praying, um, I'll get like a visual in my head. I don't know if that's ever happened to you guys before. Um, And I got this picture of, it's kind of gruesome, but it was a freezer and there was a bunch of hearts in the freezer, like juicy organ, like gross hearts. And it was very interesting. It was like a very like medical like room space, and someone opened the freezer and just started to lay out all the hearts onto the table and thaw them naturally, as you do. Um, <laughs> so gross. <laughs> My God, what? Like I don't work in medicine. Why are you speaking to me like this? Yeah, kind of weird. But um, what I felt the Lord was saying is that those are the hearts of our community, and that we've all been in this frazier together, Um, but because we're together, we feel like we're doing a good job, but that God wants to expose us and put us out on the table and thaw our hearts to be tender again, to like have the color back brought to us. And so, and I know that that just means that he wants us to be known and to allow ourselves to know him and to allow ourselves to know others. So there's some retraining in our minds, some rethinking I think that we could do about what it means to be disappointing to ourselves and to the people around us. Would you agree? Maybe I'm just weird and this is just how I think about things, but I'm sure there have been moments in all of your lives, whether it's through relationships, whether it's through um, your work, whether it's through your performance in your life and how successful you feel that you've been, where you've hit a wall. But God actually doesn't see it as a wall. He sees it as an invitation to be known and loved deeper.
0: We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find hope. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers donations to support this ministry if you'd like to give to the mission of hope church you can select the give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060 thanks again for tuning in